Welcome back to NALP's Young Professionals Network podcast, Growing in the Green Industry. Today's podcast is powered by our Young Professionals Network partner, Steel. Steel makes a full line of gasoline and battery-powered outdoor power equipment for the demanding landscape professional. Find yours at steelusa.com. Your hosts of today's episodes include myself, Macy Wallenberg from Landcare, Neil Glatt with Grow the Bench, Luke Melograno from Mariani Landscape, and Brett Lemke from RM Landscape. How's everyone doing today? Great. Doing great. great. Yeah. Thank you for introducing us so uh, so well in Miles' place here. <laughs> it's good to be back with you guys. Yeah. It's kind of fun being uh, the, the intro today. So we're all excited to be back with you guys today. Neil, you want to take it away for us and introduce our guest for the day? Absolutely. Michelle Posen currently serves as the Senior Manager of Diversity Initiatives and University Relations with Site One Landscape Supply. She came to the organization three years ago and has built relationships with school organizations to increase female and minority representation for entry-level talent. She developed a first-of-its-kind mentorship between Site One female professionals, and a national ag sorority, which expanded employer brand recognition across the country and resulted in permanent and intern hires. Her career in recruiting started in 1999 and has been dedicated primarily in the corporate recruiting space for Fortune 500 companies. She has been involved in several programs throughout her career, such as veteran recruiting and acting as a contributor to company and industry blogs. Michelle, a native of New Jersey, is married to her college sweetheart, David, and has two daughters, Delaney and Hadley, who keep her entertained and active with lacrosse, field hockey, and their love of Disney. Michelle, anything I missed? No, that you made me sound really great, Neil. Thanks, thank you so much. I, I like that, and happy 50th episode. Well, thank you. Thank you for being yeah, with us today. We're super it. excited because it's a, a new topic that we really haven't explored at all for our 50th episode. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about several things, but I'm very interested about diversity as an initiative for hiring in the green space and to hear um, some of your guidance and, and uh, successes in that space. Thank you. Yes, this is a new role for me and, and for Site One, and uh, I'm, I'm very excited to be in this position. It's uh, obviously uh, very challenging uh, to talk about uh, diversity and, and inclusion, and uh, and I think particularly in our industry as well, there are lots of challenges. So I'm really excited to explore this topic today. So how, have you. so how new? So you said new. Uh, how new is it to Site One, or, and and how did it come about? So I've officially been in this role since January of this year, um, and uh, I've been kind of in the diversity space uh, for the entire time I've been with Site One, You know, the first, uh, when I came to the organization, the first thing I noticed was there was not a lot of female representation and, and digging into um, our specific uh, industry demographics. Um, you know, if you look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, it, it says that there's not a lot of female and minority representation in, in the industry as a whole. Um, and, and so I wanted to change that and, um, and say one has been great in terms of being very, I guess, entrepreneurial in terms of looking at problems and, and, and so solving those problems. 
Um, so one of the first things I did when I, I came to Site One is uh, I partnered with one of my fellow recruiters and we tackled the issue of female representation uh, in our field positions. And we did that by partnering with an ag sorority. Um, and that, that group over three years has just been wonderful to work with. Um, we've had uh, a, a number of their students uh, mentored with us. Um, we've had about 50 mentees that we've worked with over three years. And I think about 35 uh, unique Site One female associates that have acted as mentors. Um, and, and that mentorship program has been invaluable to both the students and the female associates at Site One. Um, for the students, they are getting to talk to professionals that have paved that way, uh, you know, for them and um, have experience and, and knowledge that, that comes with, you know, working uh, over several years outside of high school or college. Um, and also the mentorship is preparing them to really think about themselves as a candidate coming out of college. Um, you know, what we explore in the mentorship is not just, you know, preparing to answer questions in an interview, but to really critically think about what we bring as, to the table as a female candidate, um, what kind of leadership we want to work for, um, how we deal with change and change management, and how we uh, express ourselves and how, how we can express ourselves better in the workplace. For the Site One employees that have acted as mentors, you know, anytime I've mentored somebody, I always learn something about myself as well. So, um, so it's been really great for them developmentally. And, and uh, as an associate, now you start to think about maybe situations you've been in in the past um, and how you might now handle situations differently, you know, if those, those situations arise again. So, you know, you know, to say that the position has been um, formally here since January is, is kind of misleading because we have been working on diversity for a few years now. And I think that is, you know, really reflective of Site One because, um, you know, a lot of organizations with uh, with the um, events of last summer in 2020, a lot of uh, organizations then started to talk about diversity. Um, I'm really proud to say that we didn't need to be prompted to talk about that. You know, Site One was thinking about diversity uh, long before summer. Um, last year in January, we started implementing a recruiting initiative at HBCUs, um, and that's that was that's been very critical to getting us uh, interns from those those schools as well. So it's it's a really thing. It's a, a thing I'm really proud of because it's not just to check a box. Uh, it's it's a very um, very real and dedicated uh, thing that we're doing here at Site One. So Michelle, you kind of touched on it a little bit there. Um, <clears throat> what are you? What do you believe are some of the the biggest advantages that landscape companies, uh, other companies within this industry, might be overlooking by uh, hiring a more diverse workforce? I, that's a great question, and I think um, before we talk about the advantages of diversity, we really have to consider what what diversity is. Um, and when companies talk about diversity, typically tied to that word is, is a few other words. You know, we talk about equity, we talk about inclusion, we talk about belonging. Um, and, you know, who among us don't want to feel these things, equal, included, 
um, belonging at the workplace. Um, these words, you know, they apply to all of us, regardless of race, gender, age, veteran status, or physical or developmental uh, ability. Um, diversity is different from those words, however. So there, there's a great TED talk um, by Janet Soval, and she says that diversity and inclusion are not the same things. Diversity is a numbers game. Uh, inclusion is about impact. And companies can mandate diversity, but they have to cultivate inclusion. So when companies are talking about a diversity strategy, they need to ask themselves, you know, what's the end goal? Is this just a numbers game or is this about the message and the environment we want to create for employees? Um, I think any good organization is going to understand that this needs to be about the culture of the organization, not, not just the program that checks the box or feels disingenuous. Um, so to get back to your original question, what are the advantages of diversity? I think there are three that really stand out. Um, one, it creates an environment that employees want to be in and gives the company stability, right? So when you make people feel included, equal, like their voices matters, they're going to stay. Um, and that's, that's something that's so important to every company, but definitely to the landscape industry right now. You want your employees to be proud to come to work every day. And when they know that regardless of their age or uh, gender or race, they have an op opportunity available to them to grow, now you have a committed employee. Um, and without good people, companies are going to fail. And companies that recognize diversity and inclusion strategies can be critical to retention. They're going to keep those people. But not only are they going to keep the people, um, they might it might attract better, you know, a, a, a bigger pool of good people and, and maybe get your employees to refer friends and families. So that's the first advantage. I think the second advantage is uh, to the way people work together and how things get done. So when you adopt a diversity and inclusion strategy, you know, you're welcoming in different viewpoints, um, maybe even new ways of doing things. And I think about the times that I've worked with people um, on projects and I've had the most successful outcomes. Um, it's been when I've worked with people who could open my eyes to alternate visions. Um, we all bring to some extent our personal life experiences to our work life. And I've benefited from working with people who are of a different race or a different age than me. Um, and I've applied those lessons to whatever I was working on. So it's made me more thoughtful about my words and my actions. Um, it's encouraged me to evaluate my work, uh, my approach to work. Um, and certainly being in this position now, it's inspired me to become, uh, to incorporate more diversity to the organizations I've worked for. Um, the third advantage, and probably this goes without saying, you know, it's just the right thing to do. Um, I go back to what I first said about there's an innate human desire to feel included and equal and that you belong. There's, there's a great piece of research that was done in 2012, and it found that the same neuroreceptors in our brain that light up when we receive physical pain also light up when we feel excluded and it's called social pain. Um, so if a company gets a reputation of not being inclusive, you know, what would those consequences be? It'd be lost employees, it'd be lost customers, maybe 
maybe both of those things. So companies need to be mindful of the social pain, that re rejection, because as much as it is human nature to want to feel included, it's also human nature to avoid situations where rejection is likely. The, is that, yeah. Um, so lots of thoughts in my head. And, and, and as I, I apply that to, um, to our company and the piece and um, maybe to your point earlier, a big current topic uh, more, right? And then I, I suppose we are having more conversations than we ever had as of late than we've probably had in the past. Um, but it is, and we're finding that that network is growing. Um, and even it kicked off with, uh, with NALP's women's network that was created. Uh, we had some people, uh, one person here, Jenny, an area manager, she jumped on really early on onto that. And she gathered uh, the women in our company together and they've all joined. And that, I think the conversations and the, and the, the camaraderie of that has just sparked a, a new enthusiasm around the company from uh, our managers, administrators, and then in, in the field, um, there's a common thought and cause and the connectedness that really was created here. And, you know, historically we, we fit the mold of where we were, we are, we did not have a greatly diverse company for years. And now that has been building and, and exciting to see. And, uh, and it's good for um, what NALP is doing to, I think, start the conversation, spark that, and then to have champions within our own organizations really run with that. So, um, and, and, you know, and somewhere I support fully, but clearly it needs to be run and driven by the women in our organization to really make really successful of it. And so um, I, I like what it's fostering. I love what is happening. And then to your other part of the job is to go out to the future, uh, the young professionals that are going to be entering this industry and show that there are people like them here and being successful and matching those two together. Uh, and I think that is, uh, is going to be a wonderful combination of the two to, to grow uh, what is a gap in terms of women's enthusiasm in this industry and then the, the ability to grow throughout the entire organization. Yeah, we have, um, we have uh, four ARGs now, associate resource groups um, within site one. And um, one is dedicated to, uh, or women in green. Uh, the other one is um, uh, dedicated to veterans. Um, we have one for uh, our Hispanic employees and we have one for our black and African-American employees. You know, ARGs are a great, great way to connect. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and I hope that people understand that ARGs um, are for everybody, right? You don't have to be a veteran to join our, our veteran ARG. Um, you just need to want to be an ally or, or sponsor to, to that particular group. Um, and it's great to hear, again, different points of view. You know, we're, we're unfortunately in a time of history where I think we are starting to get so close-minded to another different, uh, a different point of view or a different opinion or a different experience. And for us to, to learn, we have to be open um, to, the, to those different points of view, to those stories. So a great way of, of finding out how your coworkers um, you know, feel or what their experiences have been or how we can support those, uh, those employees. 
Um, ARGs are a great, a great way to do that. I'm, I myself is, am not a veteran, but my husband is. Um, and so to, um, to support his experiences through something at work and then take that and support, uh, you know, our troops overseas or our veteran associates or even our veteran customers, you know, it means a lot to me uh, to be an ally there. So ARGs are a great way. And, and, and that's what, and, you know, being an ally, it's, it's, it, the, the mentorship programs that we've developed for both our female organizations that we work with. And now I'm proud to say we are doing that with our minority student group that we sponsor across the country. The mentorships are so important because it is a wonderful thing to be a mentor and to give back. Um, you know, because many of us uh, are in our current positions, but you know that path may not have been an easy path to walk. And um, so, to be able to go to the next generation and say to them, "Listen, you know." Here's, here's my experience and here's what, you know, I, I, I gleaned from that. Um, it, it's really, it's really important for, for that gener that younger generation to, to listen. I'm not saying that, you know, those of us who've been there, done that, know everything, um, but we know a lot. And, um, and, and I love the fact that, uh, you know, I can mentor a student and say, listen, don't, don't make this mistake like I did. Um, and, uh, and give some advice, you know, to make maybe that path a little smoother as they, as they continue, continue their career journey. Yeah. I mean, I think those, uh, the mentorship and the, like you were talking about with the resource groups, um, I mean, I know most of us, I think on, uh, on here, Brett, I know he's active in it. We see the women in landscape, um, Facebook group and, uh, there's, a lot of guys and men who are a part of that. And I think it really brings a, you know, a different viewpoint that maybe I, you know, as a man, I don't think about all the time. And yeah, I mean, I've walked away with a lot of great little tidbits and, and some knowledge from being in there and talking with a group of women who are in the industry. And, and I, I mean, I think they're, they're great groups for everybody to be a part of. Like you said, it's not just a group for women or a group for veterans, whoever, sh uh, whoever wants to join should join and, and try and learn from them. Yeah. I mean, it, it, again, it's, you know, it, it's great when companies can come together and, and, and lift each other up. Um, it's great when industries can come to, uh, together and, and do the same. And um, we should all be pulling for one another. Um, you know, again, when we talk about diversity, you know, some, sometimes the, the, the mind goes to maybe one uh, type of, uh, of, of element of diversity, but diversity in the bigger picture is really just having these different voices. And, you know, that's what's going to make a company successful um, is, is, is having uh, different thoughts, um, you know, because if we're doing things the same way all the time, progress will never be made. So Michelle, um, it can be difficult to start these conversations if they're new to you, right? Um, we have some fears potentially around uh, labor law or discrimination, you know, rep uh, repercussions 
with some of these conversations. Maybe there's a fear of confronting some of our own biases, um, you know, that we've grown up with or, or developed in, in these conversations. What are some of the do's and don'ts that you recommend for somebody who's like, the benefit sounds like it makes sense. I'm interested in, in learning, but I have no idea where to start. Um, you know, I, there's a, there's a really great, uh, speaker by the name of Torin Perez that talks about diversity and he gives three do's. Um, and the first one is he, he says, you need to snap yourself out of autopilot. So when you're talking about diversity, uh, he says, you know, when you're in a room of people that you've never met and you don't know their stories, um, don't let your autopilot immediately send a message to them that you already know their story. Or, you know, if, if you looked at my LinkedIn profile picture, you know, you wouldn't see that I have a disability. Or you wouldn't see that my husband, who is a veteran, uh, is also Asian. You know, so don't don't kind of set yourself up to assume things uh, about people. I think the the second thing, and we kind of touched upon this, is to learn outside your box. So you know, to reach out to people and um, to learn from them, connect with them, seek out stories to solve a problem that's uh, in a different way. Um, it not only is it going to make you progress, um, but it's also going to strengthen relationships with coworkers. And it's going to give you some really good resources in your toolbox now. Um, and, and another thing we touched upon, which Torin says is, you know, to be an ally, um, answer the call, I think is, is what he says, um, you know, to be an ally to those around you, to mentor a new employee or maybe someone who's expressed a desire to grow within the organization, you know, step up. Uh, mentors can ignite a fire uh, in their mentees that the mentees didn't even realize was there. Um, and, you know, that's, I think that's the beauty of mentorship is that sometimes it takes an outsider to, to, to show us what was already inside of us. And, um, you know, they might see a talent or ability within me that I didn't see, uh, that I didn't see before and help, help bring that out. So, you know, again, it's, it's all about the, it's all about being a partner to the person that sits next to you or to the new employee that's coming on board, because at the end of the day, you know, we're, again, I go back to, we all want to belong. We're all here for a specific purpose to do a good job and to succeed. And, you know, I, that's one of the elements I love about my organization is that I can look around me, even though right now I can't look around me because I'm, I'm in my home office, but when I'm with in physically with my teammates, you know, I can look around them and regardless of how old they are or what their race is or what their gender is, I know that I am part of a team that functions, functions well supports me, um, and, and accepts support. And, um, and, and I think that, that, you know, when companies are talking about trying to be successful, um, you have to go back to that employee engagement and, and really think about not just in numbers, you know, uh, in, in numbers in terms of profit and loss or, 
just, uh, you know, those, those, that financial bottom line, but doing the right thing by employees and cultivating a culture that is going to be something that people want to stay in. I absolutely agree with that. It's not all just about having more women in the industry. It's just a culture overall and people want to stay and people hear that from recruits, from husbands, from brothers, you know, this, this company or this industry has a great background behind it. Yeah. I mean, I don't listen. I, I don't want to walk away from my career thinking that I got ahead, you know, for any other reason, other than the fact that I was talented and, um, I, I could do my job and I did my job well. I also don't want to walk away from my career thinking that I wasn't appreciated, um, appreciated as a, as a worker, appreciated as a female associate. So, you know, it's, it's that balance. And, um, and, you know, I, I love when, um, you know, I'm presented uh, positive feedback. Um, but again, you know, positive feedback is something everybody wants. Everybody wants to feel appreciated. Everybody wants to feel like they belong there. And so if we remember those common elements that we all have, you know, that's going to go a long way to creating a, a wonderful company culture. I think about that mentorship and the matching piece and, um, I suppose, you know, Macy or others, um, have you found that you've had mentors that are women and then are men? And, and what is the benefits and the insight that you could provide that when matching um, uh, that, you know, be it uh, a race, a religion, or uh, a gender in a mentorship, what, what does that often provide? I think a lot of it, I've had, I currently have a male and a female mentor, um, going into my new role this past year. And I would actually say that I learn more from my male mentor because there's no, um, there's no facade behind it. Whereas another woman's like, well, here's what I experienced. Like, this is when it was bad for me. Like they're always being positive, but with the male, like he's giving it to you straight, like it is. And as long as he's supportive of you, if it's a good mentor, they're supportive no matter what. And so I've honestly found that a strong male mentor that's supportive of women in the industry is a great ally and a great mentor to have. And that's, that's really an interesting thing because, um, it, it could be, it could be, I think it's great Macy that you have two mentors because again, you know, it's also great to have diversity in your mentors in your mentorships, right? Because now we're talking about different points of view. And so, what your male mentor brings to the table is maybe not exactly what the female mentor is going to bring, but out of both of them, you're getting something, something. And um, so, but it might be two different, two different things. And then from that, then you develop, right? So you develop uh, according to the strengths and the weaknesses or the, the strengths and the, 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 the maybe the, the gaps that your, your mentors uh, might have. So it, it's great. And I think, I think that, uh, you know, as a mentor, a uh, previous mentor, again, that's also self-reflection is really, really important as well as you are mentoring, because, you know, this is a, this is not just a lesson for you, uh, for the student or for the, the mentee, 
it is, it is a lesson for you. And we are constantly, we should be constantly evolving, you know, as employees, um, who I am today is definitely not the employee I was when I first started in, in recruiting at 24 years old. Um, and what has shaped me in those 20 years has been the people I've engaged with, good bosses, bad bosses, uh, mentors, um, employees that I've had to manage. All of those things have, have shaped me. And so, um, so again, it's just not just one voice that has spoken to me throughout my career. So I actually think it's a great thing that you have those differing um, perspectives in, in, in your mentors. Well, and the, the, the point um, of just the formalization of it takes, it isn't just about the experience or the seniority of a person to become a mentor that really matching that person, um, be it of, of the same gender or thought or experiences or bring that diversity in to, through my internship, I had, um, you know, people that through my, that I had to report to that were uh, Hispanic a gentleman that grew up in the field running a cruise and now is a manager of a department. And like, and that was just enlightening. And he shared a path that was way different than the path I experienced and broadened my horizon. And, um, and, and so if you, as a company, uh, want to engage in mentoring and, or interns, it's, it's a think beyond just the, the skill set of the, the company that that person needs to be a better operator or a better drafter or whatever. It's to say, how can someone really engage? And I, and I think it goes back to that early point is that it, part is inclusion. And, and in that exciting part that at the end of all that, they feel like they have, they found a home that they're going to fit well in. They're going to be a part of, and that they they get a good sense of the entire company rather than just a, that little slice. Yeah. If you look at, if you look at research, 38% of employees um, who want to leave their job, it's due to a negative culture or feeling like they don't fit in. Um, and what, and, and if you look at successful organizations, those with really good company cultures, um, 72% of them have higher employee engagement ratings and they're 22% more profitable than other organizations. So it, it benefits them again, it benefits them financially to have a great culture, but it also is going to benefit you from your employee standpoint, because you are making an investment in employees um, and, you know, in terms of training and, and, and growing them. And so if you can keep them uh, happy and keep them employed, it, it you know, without them, the, the, the company is going to suffer. And every, everybody now is, fighting over uh, labor. Uh, it's tough, you know, to find good people right now. Um, and I don't see that, that ending anytime soon. So an organization has to really define, you know, what is going to differentiate us from um, the company down the street. And, and hopefully it's going to be a, a mixture of things, but one of those elements hopefully will be your company culture. You know, I think when you talk about company culture, it, it needs to be a conversation more than just define it, right? Because um, it's so easy to look at a list of values and pick which ones resonate with you. But, you know, I know the statistics show that only 26% of employees believe that their company always delivers on the promises it makes, their company leadership, right? 
So the actions of leaders speak so much more than words when it comes to your culture. And unless you're working in an environment where you can say, I can, I can point out where this leader has sacrificed short-term traditional like profit or, or other monetary gains for a long-term success or this cultural initiative, right? Yeah, I mean, leadership- Michelle, you obviously have this. You say, you have this at site one where you've spent this time developing these partnerships and this, this time with the, the national sororities and with the mentorship program you know, to foster diversity and inclusion. It's clear that leadership has decided that this is worth the investment. But if you take that metric and compare a company values to what happens every day, I think a lot of people are going to say, we're not living up to this. Yeah. When you talk about leadership, leadership is not a title or a rank. It's, it's a choice, right? So, you know, just because my title is manager of widgets doesn't mean I'm the best manager of, uh, of people. I, I may know widgets like the back of my hand, but I may not know people. And to your point, you know, when people see that things are not being delivered, um, they become disenfranchised and, um, and leadership does have to uh, make, you know, sit down and make a, a, a decision, you know, what type of organization we're going to be. Again, I, I can't say enough about site one and, and, and just the, the pride that I feel personally, um, you know, when I came here three years ago, I came from much larger organizations. Um, site one is actually the smallest company I've ever worked for. And I really wasn't sure, you know, coming into a small organization, how uh, I was going to fit in after working for global organizations. Um, I love the entrepreneurial spirit that we have. Um, you know, when, when I saw something and I said to my director, you know, listen, I, I think maybe we can tackle this. You know, the answer from him and his boss was, go for it. Let's, let's see, let, let's do it. And, um, and, and it has paid off for us. You know, we, that, that, that mentorship program and that sponsorship we have with the Ag Sorority, um, myself and my colleague, Robin Moffitt, uh, over the last three years have really invested a lot of, of time into it, but, um, but we see the payoff. You know, when you see that you go from less than 20% female representation in your internships to 65 plus uh, percent representation in your internships, um, you know you're doing something right. Um, when you see more internships opening, period, you know, you know that you're delivering that message uh, correctly to your organization that internships are benefit would will benefit us. You know, it's a great pipeline uh, of students. Um, when you have you know a student who comes to you and says, "Listen, I, I didn't think of this industry before, and now I want to be part of this industry." Um, you know, again, it, it really hits home that the investment. Um, and the creativity that you've brought forth to your job each day uh, is, is making an impact to a, a larger purpose. I think the internships are such a good point to bring up because it really does allow 
different like diversity and inclusions to figure out what each company is like too. You know, before they go commit, it is very hard for women, I would say, to just go and work at some type of install company or irrigation company, whereas, you know, they don't know what they're doing on a day-to-day basis and working with a boys club all day long. You know, this gives them a little three-month, four-week, three-month um, little snippet of what life is going to be like and, you know, how that company does uphold their values. You can put anything on a website, but, you know, does that team actually uphold those? And so I, I hope that we really push internships. I know that, you know, everybody needs them for college these days, but even not in college, coming out of high school and doing that recruiting point, doing internships with those those kids um, is a huge thing. I'll, I mean, I'm going to shamelessly plug our internship program. Our internship program, um, you know, has evolved over the last few years. Um, and, and again, you know, the reason why we've done that is to encourage more participation and, um, and, and, and in, in a recognition that student pipelines uh, are great ways of, of bringing in entry-level talent. Um, last year, when uh, we were at the beginning of the pandemic, our main concern with the internships was how this was going to affect summer internships. You know, will we even be allowed to have students in our branches? And so we sat down and um, myself and uh, my colleague, Sam Gibson, we sat down and we looked at the internship program. We said, okay, let's, let's, we have one offering of internships and that's primarily for the summer. Let's look at how we can offer internships during the fall and winter and even springtime. And we came up with a solution, it's called uh, express internship. So it's different from your traditional internship, which is nine to 12 weeks. This one is condensed. So students can do it during the school year. And so it still allows them to get uh, that experience. Uh, It still allows us to, uh, to look at talent, like you said, Macy, prior to graduation or prior to them committing uh, to a full-time position. Um, and now we've, we offer a sales internship as well, um, which will encourage, hopefully encourage more female and represent and minority representation into our sales team. So uh, sales teams across the country. So, you know, that even, you know, university and, and internship management, that even is a great tool for encouraging diversity and inclusion um, in your organization, because you can modify certain things to allow more student participation into those programs doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, you know, during the summertime. So, um, you know, we kind of touched on the internship and uh, utilizing that as a tool and a resource to source for a more diverse workforce. What, uh, what are some other ways that you think uh, maybe companies aren't necessarily looking at or a route that they're not looking at that they can look to hire and source more of a diverse workforce? Um, you know, I, I, I touched upon this a little bit, but I think when you think about sourcing, right? I mean, everybody knows there's job boards out there, you know, Indeed, LinkedIn, you know, those sorts of things. I think we also need to look at your employee pool. You know, employees can be a great source of of, uh, talent. Uh, If you're not offering a referral bonus 
to associates uh, for referring friends and families, you probably should, uh, especially in today's market. Um, I think community organizations are a great uh, pool. We've used them in some of our markets and community organizations can be anything from a church or um, an actual uh, nonprofit organization that uh, is, uh, focuses on training and getting people back to work. Um, so community organizations can be a, a great thing. Um, and then, and then I did talk about college and university and, and tech trade schools, you know, let's not forget trade schools. You know, we're at a, a really unique time in, in, in history right now of, of the workforce where there's four main generations currently working. And, um, there are, I think as of last year, there's 44 million baby boomers still in, in the workforce, but 10,000 are retiring every day. And so what they're expecting is that um, the U.S. will have a shortage of 8.2 million workers between now and 2027. That's going to be the highest shortage, shortage of workers in 50 years. So you really need to get creative in terms of sourcing. Now, when you talk about sourcing at the tech schools or the trade schools or colleges and universities, um, you know, that target audience is Gen Z, right? So Gen Z is anybody between the ages of six and 24 right now. They're about to surpass the millennial generation as the most populous generation in the world. And Gen Z will account for more than one third of the world's population. Um, Gen Z is also going to be the most racially and diverse generation in history. So great pool of candidates right there to, to target if you're, if you're looking to be more diverse uh, and inclusive. Uh, I think that, um, I mean, you touched on it about the, the referral bonus. That for us has been probably one of the best things we've done. And um I mean, it's definitely brought us a more, more of a diverse workforce for sure. Uh, I mean, we've probably within the last five years or so, we've started to see a more, more steady growth year over year of uh, women joining our maintenance crews, uh, enhancement crews, working out in the field. And um, I mean, there's some of, they, they bring number of people to us every year because they see that we're a company that, you know, we're treating everybody equally. They're they're being treated the same as everybody else. Uh, they belong here. You know, it's it's a great place. The culture is inclusive of everybody, and so um, you know, giving them a little reward for for bringing somebody else on is is great incentive. I think. Yeah, good good talent knows good talent, and especially if you're an industry that is looking to recruit, let's say, bilingual candidates. You may even want to off, offer a little higher of a referral bonus for a bilingual associate. Um, but, you know, if you have an employee that, um, you, you know, you say to them, uh, you know, we're looking to hire, you know, again, good talent knows good talent. And if they don't know good talent, they should get better friends because you, there's always somebody out there. Um, who's looking for a position when, when I, when I have a friend in, in my, you know, uh, recruiter world come to me and say, Hey, listen, Michelle, you know, I got laid off from the bank. I'm looking for a new uh, opportunity. I immediately go out to my network and say, Hey, I know somebody who's looking for a job. 
So it's not just that first level of, of people that we know it's that first level, but then that first level needs to know, let, let the second level know. And the second level needs, it's kind of like the, that old game of telephone, right? Where you keep spreading that word until eventually you find somebody. So you may think that your cousin or your sister-in-law doesn't need a job, but maybe your cousin or sister-in-law has a neighbor that needs a job. So you never, you never know. So employee referrals can be a great way to, to spread the word. Um, and, and again, you know, if you are building your organization as uh, a, an employer of choice and, and creating a culture um, that your employees are proud of, they are going to shout it from the rooftops when you're hiring. Well, yeah, and I think I think uh, something maybe a lot of people aren't always mindful of is, is that they have to they have to be patient when it comes to that. You know, you're not going to bring somebody new on board and immediately they're going to give you a referral of somebody who's looking for a job. They're going right. to want to make sure that that culture of your company is something that they like and that they that they want to refer their family, their friends, their neighbors, whatever. I mean, it's it's just like if, you know, when we as people who are doing business with clients asking for referrals, they're not going to give us a referral before they work with us and see what we you know, see what our organization is about. So uh, I've had that a number of times where talk to somebody and no, 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 we don't have anybody. And then, you know, when you really need them, bam, they find, they're able to find somebody and bring, bring them aboard and they turn out to be fantastic workers. Yeah. Keep asking. I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, employee referrals are not, shouldn't be just one question. You know, you ask a question uh, one time a year. You know, constantly remind if it's in huddles, morning huddles or quarterly meetings, keep reminding your employees uh, of that of that opportunity. Well, doesn't this conversation lend itself to that call to action to employers? Listen, one, I think, to your team. You may be listening to this and say, I have a wonderful culture, right? And then when you survey out there, that'll tell you something different. So the culture isn't driven by what your thought is. And to Neil's point, the fact that you put the letters, the words up on the board, you got to go deeper and maybe even start leaning on those, the young professionals within your organizations, because uh, it sounds like they're going to be the most diverse. They're probably going to have less of a filter on their, in their brain and think about people beyond just those, you know, race and religion and gender. They're going to say, this person's a good fit for us, regardless of who they are. And I hope that that will uh, evolve and change this uh, just naturally, you know, just seeing who my children are friends with versus who I grew up with and it's towns and just, and it's the cultures that we are and where we live, but it's just amazing the, that, that experience for them. And I'm, I'm very happy and they see the world differently than we do, but in our organization, we will move faster if we listen one to the younger uh, I think our young professionals, I think they have a lot to say and there's going to be a lot of enthusiasm around it and they will bring a perspective to your company that you should be very open to, to having participate. Yeah. I mean, I had a, I had a conversation with an employee of mine about a week ago or so. Uh, you know, I mean, much, much like uh, most of the companies across the nation were struggling with labor and I, I sat down with him and he's been with us for, over 20 years. And I just asked him to be brutally honest with me about what he thought we could do as a company to bring in more candidates. And he, he enlightened me on a lot of, uh, different, different topics that, uh, you know, 
sometimes our reputation in their community and stuff is a little bit different than what we perceive. And, you know, now we're, we're trying to make those changes uh, in hopes that it's going to, it's going to bring that uh, a better candidate pool and, and more candidates into us. Yeah. I, you know, going back to, to Gen Z, you know, I think Gen Z is going to be driving a lot of conversations around how companies shape their organizations um, because Gen Z does bring um, different perspectives on how they define success uh, in the workplace. Um, you know, what's, what was so funny was I was reading this, this survey by uh, Deloitte, and they were saying that Gen Z values salary less than every other generation. And I, I had to laugh uh, a little bit at that because I thought to myself, when I was coming out of college, um, all I was looking for was a paycheck. You know, you know, back in 1997, when I graduated college, company culture wasn't even whispered. It, it was just not a phrase that came off of uh, your lips. You know, I didn't ask questions when I went on an interview about diversity and inclusion back in 1997. I, I didn't know to ask those questions. Um, I was just looking for, um, is this a job that's going to pay me? Am I going to be able to get out of my mom and dad's house? Um, and, and, you know, can I, can I learn something? And, and now I, I, I actually, when we attended the um, NCLC event this year, sponsored by NALP, um, almost every student, almost every student asked me about company culture or diversity. Um, and, and, and I, and I actually said, I actually remarked to my, my director later on, I said that, that really says something, you know, that, um, this is, this is a major consideration that, that students are having coming out of school and, and something that companies really have to focus on and be prepared to answer, you know, they, they really prioritize diversity and, um, and so, you know, if you're an organization that's going to um, be prepared to have that conversation, you may have a better chance of attracting, uh, attracting that talent. But I think that that's, there's a shift in the balance um, related to, to, to more uh, diverse choice, choices that Gen Z have uh, in work environments. And I think it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds over the next uh, decade or so. I, I will, I want to reemphasize that moment right there. It's that if you, it's, if it's not a thought, it's coming, right? The conversation is going to be across the table from you in the interview and to be prepared for that, to be honest and open and then have that conversation, right? That the company is going down a path that they can be proud of, or they're thinking or they're trying to, it's just to be honest and clear with the candidate. But um, it, it may be that aha moment here is that, someone's going to sit across and it's not going to ask me what kind of mowers we operate, right? They're not going to ask about how big, uh, you know, uh, how much mulch you put down a year. It's going to be that what is the diversity of the group and how are you managing that? And, and that, and it gets you excited as an owner. I'd be very excited to have that conversation more than what kind of mowers we run. Um, but um, you're right. It, it, that that's coming and, and it's, it's already here and you're right. Participating in events like NCLC and other recruiting pieces. It's you're probably many of our listeners are probably your experience it now and uh, prepare yourself for that piece. 
I think this, we've had a lot of awesome conversations today on diversity and we're super excited to be able to share this with everybody and appreciate you going through this with us, Michelle. Um, but we're going to move on to our Rose and Thorn. I don't know if you've heard this before on the podcast, but Rose and Thorn, we each go around the horn and uh, cover our rose or our high for the week and our thorn, which is our low for the week. So Neil, you want to lead us off for the week? Sure. Well, my, uh, <clears throat> my thorn is that it's kind of just gray and rainy and cold um which sucks when you're training for a marathon and have to run outside so um endured that but my rose is that the dodgers are taking a little midwest slash east coast road trip right now so i'll have to stay up super late to watch them and uh that gets me through it's the little things right neil the just that a good kick out of that. Don't, I, don't belittle my hobbies, Brett. I, that's a uh, big thing. That's a big thing. All right. All right. I um I'll, I'll kick it off. Uh Rose, um, I'll say that this conversation is a testament to even as hosts, the value of just having these conversations weekly, I pull something every time, right? And so I'm not really good at taking notes during our conversations, but I do like what we pull together here. So um uh, this is, uh, I appreciate you all and, and what we get to do each week. Um, thank you, Michelle, for bringing this conversation to us. And so, and a thorn, uh, a little gray, a little rainy here too. This is East Coast life. And, um, but other than that, we've, I'll, I'll call it a pretty, pretty good week. Yeah, we're, uh, we're in that gray slight rain we're we're almost into a into a drought here already i think we're like four inches down which is in rain which is real fun uh to start out the year with all the other uh challenges that are being thrown at us so um that's a definite thorn right now um and then you know just continually more challenges uh you know we got a lot of a lot of work that wants to get done and we can get to it, but now, you know, there's outside factors of trucking, plant shortages, material shortages that are all throwing a wrench in the work. So that's, uh, that's been a real fun, fun challenge that I've been going through lately. Uh, as far as Rose, um, I got my boat in the water last week, which was fantastic, but uh, the weather hasn't cooperated yet to go out. So hopefully this weekend, it's supposed to be like 80 something degrees, I think Saturday. So might, uh, might venture out onto the water. Don't be Luke. Don't be those Instagram photos that I love watching where the guy backs the boat in and th- there goes the truck with it too. Like those are the best. Oh, you're, you're, awesome. you're watching the qualified captain. Yes. <laughs> yeah, let's just, uh, please don't find yourself on. No, like, no, hey, no. I know that guy. That's Luke. <laughs> oh, there's Luke. <laughs> and isn't that a Mariani truck pulling that boat? I don't know that. I don't know if that's allowed, but I don't, don't know what you're talking about. Brad. <laughs> well, I am right there with you guys. It is gray and gloomy here. We got rained out today. And so that is definitely, um, definitely my thorn. We, we run four tents here. So Friday is normally my catch up day and uh, make proposals and visit clients. And so um, tomorrow is full force with everybody. Um, but it's okay because we're working. We got, we've got guys and ladies and so we're super excited um and my rose is that we are currently under contract on a house so there's a lot of things going on down here in texas and we're very very excited for our first home congrats thank you how about you michelle 
Oh, um, well, let's see. My uh, my rose is definitely uh, being on your 50th episode. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, and having this conversation. My thorn is that uh, this is my first week back from vacation. So um, you know what that's like, the email, the email cleanup, the uh, catch up feeling like you don't know what's going on uh, until two weeks later. So um, and I did come back from a sunny, sunny place uh, to gloomy East Coast weather. So not not fun at all. That is definitely, definitely a thorn. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it quickly erases all the fun on a vacation. Sometimes it's like you, you got to really force yourself to remember what it was to be in that sunny location. And yeah, I need a vacation after my vacation. Yeah. I yeah. think that's a real thing. We have to, we'll have a conversation is. about that is how we implement <laughs> that as a policy and company. Definitely. <laughs> well, thank you again, Michelle, for being a part of growing in the green industry. Also big thank you to our listeners. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Take care, everybody. Take care. <laughs>